Hello and welcome to Sticky from the Inside, the employee engagement podcast that looks at how to build stickier, competition-smashing, consistently successful organisations from the inside out. I'm your host, Andy Gorham, and I'm on a mission to help more businesses turn the lights on behind the eyes of their employees, light the fires within them, and create tons more success for everyone. This podcast is for all those who believe that's something worth going after and would like a little help and guidance in achieving that. Each episode, we dive into the topics that can help create what I call stickier businesses, the sort of businesses where people thrive and love to work and where more customers stay with you and recommend you to others because they love what you do and why you do it. So if you want to take the tricky out of being sticky, listen on. Okay, then. Today, I want to take another look at culture building, but from a slightly different perspective. It's all very well talking about how important culture is for business, but what does that actually mean? It's going to be different for every business, right? So how do you know what culture your business should have, or even what culture your business needs to be successful and help you sustainably and continually grow, keep your top talent, and attract great new talent in the future. Is there a magic formula? Is there a secret blueprint we can follow to help us do that? Well, my guest today is Dan Tomer. He's a leading thinker around the topic of innovation, an enterprise innovation strategist, and the author of the book, The Corporate Startup. He's also recently written another book called Innovation Accounting. And within the pages of this book, He seeks to give some guidance on some of these cultural blueprint things. Though he's not promising on the secret formula stuff, he does believe that there are a set of clear, guiding principles and processes that can help you make better decisions and build better, more effective workplace cultures. So let's hear what Dan's got to say. Welcome to the show, Dan. How are you doing? All good. Thank you very much for for having me, Andy. Ah, my pleasure, my friend. I've got to be honest. When you told me about the title of the book, Innovation Accounting, I was like, what? I don't do accounting on this podcast. What are you talking about? But the book's something very, very different, right? Yeah. um, We use a title because this is what a lot of people in our space refer to measuring innovation. And uh, this is this is a common term, if you want, for uh, measuring innovation in general. So we decided to go with that because we we knew that people in that space will definitely look for the term. It's it's very uh, Google friendly, if you want. Uh, however, as you just mentioned, the the book uh, talks about all aspects all aspects of innovation uh, from the perspective of how do we measure. So we look at teams, we look at culture, we look at capability, we look at um, how do you measure, for example, uh, open innovation such as startup collaborations. So uh, we look at everything innovation wise, but through the filter or through the lens of um, of measurement. Brilliant. Well, I'm glad I got a better understanding of that, or we may never have talked about this, and that would have been a real waste. So look, Dan, do me a favor, my friend. Can you just give us a little bit of background on you and what you're currently working on, just so my listeners can get a better idea of who you are and, and what you're up to? Sure, sure, for sure. Uh, my background is actually in entrepreneurship. So I started my, my first my first actual job was having my own company. And uh, according to my family, throughout the years, I only had one single real job. 
meaning that I was employed by a large organization in the, the telco <laughs> space. Um, but um, all, all things aside and, and, and all laughing aside, I think, um, I think the entrepreneurship experience that I had came in handy when I was, uh, when I was with, that, uh, with that major corporation. And that's, uh, that's when the idea of the first book started, because uh, as I was working in that company, I realized that the processes they were using for, for building new products were essentially backwards. Um, backwards, like literally backwards. They were starting from where a startup will, will end and working their way back to where the startup would actually start. Um, and that prompted me to, to, to get obviously with, uh, with the team to write the, uh, the corporate startup. And um, one, of the, one of the things that uh, we tried to cover was also measuring. So if we had a chapter in the first book about measuring innovation, now we have a full book on that. Uh, what I'm currently doing uh, together with uh, people like Chris Beswick, actually, that you had here on the show, um, we have a small consultancy company. So we help, help large organizations become more innovative while at the same time uh, optimizing their uh, existing core business. Yeah, and I think that that spirit or culture of innovation is something businesses right now are really crying out for, right, especially after the last 18 months, two years, where things have changed, landscapes have changed, the world's a more disruptive place. Um, being able to think and, and change and innovate is something businesses really, really need, right? You, you're seeing that, I guess. Yeah, no, 100%. Uh, the, the problem, the big problem with, with most companies is that they haven't invested in, uh, in innovation, building a culture of innovation sooner. Uh, there, there was, there, there is this Chinese uh, proverb uh, that says that uh, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is today. Uh, I think, I think this uh, this speaks for a lot of organizations that are now considering innovation. The best time um, they should have invested in the culture of innovation and in, in solid processes was probably five, ten years ago. For the ones that haven't, the second best time is today. Actually, it's a Monday, so it's even better. Mondays are good. Make them good. Make them work for you. I, I totally believe in that, my friend. So look, before we pl- get into the book, because I think there's some really interesting themes that come out of this, this book, innovation accounting and how it relates to building better workplace cultures, how would you, how would you sum that up? Yeah, I think the um, I, I think I'm going I'm going to answer this a bit broader now. Okay, uh, I think the biggest problem with most organizations is that they try to copy the homework of of the company across the street, um, and by by copying the homework, I mean they uh, they they look at Netflix and they say, oh, we want to build a culture that Netflix has, or they look at Amazon, or they look at uh, I don't know Gore or Freem, doesn't matter. Um, the thing is that those cultures are fit for, for, for purpose. Uh, and that's very important fit for purpose. You need to start, obviously you can inspire yourself from Netflix, from Facebook, from wherever you want, but you need to understand what's the purpose of your organization. Uh, why does your company exist? What's the ultimate goal of your company? And then try to build a culture that serves that particular end goal. And uh, since all end goals are different, then every culture should should be also different. So if we take that as our inspiration or your inspiration for writing this book, what what do you think this book is really about? What's at its core? 
I think at the core um, is essentially principles on how to measure anything innovation related. Um, Let's talk specifically about culture. We don't propose a set of indicators because as I said earlier, every culture is different. However, we propose a framework if you want that you can use in order to um, measure your innovation culture and uh, to also measure your, um, let's say, activities towards building an innovation culture. Um, Specifically speaking about this, uh, we say, okay, you start with the vision, you start with the goal of innovation, you start with what is your desired outcome from innovation. I don't know, we want to uh, build new products or more products in a specific market, whatever, whatever it's going to be for your organization. And then you look at what are the cultural traits that you need in order to see those particular tangible results. Um, I don't know, let's say, for example, I want to build more more products in a certain market, then obviously I need people in my organization to come up with better ideas. Um, to come up with better ideas, it, needs, it, it means that uh, we have psychological safety in the organization, people are okay to, to, to speak their mind, um, conformity is not necessarily something that we encourage, all of those things, right? So you identify, you create essentially a list of attributes that connect with your end desired goal for the culture of innovation you want to build. And then you measure those attributes. You measure, do we have psychological safety in the organization? Um, do we tolerate conformity or we sanction it? How do we, how, where, where do we stand at the moment when, when it comes to conformity? Are people able to speak their mind? Do we have the right, um, even software infrastructure to collect all these ideas, right? So everything that's connected to your end goal. And then once you've measured this and you get a pulse, if you want, of, uh, of your current status on those attributes, then you can start developing them. You see, hey, apparently we don't have psychological safety in, in the workplace. Let's do something about it. And that doing means um, putting people for training, communicating better, all these, all these other activities you can do to enable psychological safety. And then you are going to measure again the attribute and hopefully this, uh, this increased, right? People feel um, safer, they're more empowered. And probably in, um, in, I don't know, a couple of months or even more, you're going to see the tangible results you were aiming for. So what we're proposing, we're proposing to people to understand this framework rather than go and, go and track psychological safety or go and track conformity or go and track um, creativity, whatever. Uh, because as I said, Every organization is different and every organization has a different goal in mind when it comes to investing in innovation and investing in building the culture of innovation. So I'm interested in this because, I mean, we'll get into the the principles and the framework specifically that you, that you go through within the book. But in your experience, Dan, how good are businesses at lining up these goals or outcomes with the required behaviors they're going to need to get there. Do they find that an easy process or is it just a mess? I mean, what, what have you seen? Well, um, I'm, 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 I'm going to be very honest. I think that most organizations um, have a big misalignment between uh, the core business, the innovation strategy 
and the culture that they have. All these three elements are pretty much moving in independent directions. Some of them might might move for a brief period of time or on a, on, on a certain project in the same direction, but I'm seeing a lot of uh, misalignment. Uh, in particular, in particular, um, misalignment between the culture and the uh, innovation ambition. Um, I think I think in the in the past years, organizations have have gotten a bit better at aligning core business strategy with the innovation strategy. Because if you would have asked me this question five years ago, it would have been like a complete mess. You you would speak you would speak with the uh, with I don't know the CEO or the CFO of a large organization, and then you would speak with people in the lab, and you realize the people in the lab were only investing in. Um, uh, let's say the shiniest, newest thing that that that, they, that comes across their desk, be it drones, being VR, being blockchain, being whatever. I'm not saying that this is no longer happening. I'm saying that this is happening, but not to the extent it used to happen five years ago. And um, in all fairness, I think this has to do to some to some extent with uh, with uh, with the Corona crisis, because. Uh, People realize that hey, innovation is no longer just a nice to have thing, but um, it's actually something that can save our bacon. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I I, I agree with that. I think um, we've seen so many businesses have to. I hate the term pivot, but pivot and innovate to kind of create new markets or new opportunities because other things have been closed down over this period, or they've had situations or opportunities land in their lap and they need to need to react to those and, and we've mm-hmm. seen we've seen companies do really really well out of that but also companies that have tried and failed and had had disasters i i guess more broadly when we're talking about innovation do, do companies really understand what that means in in your experience because i i know it's a very popular thing to have so you know any vision or mission has to have the word innovation in uh, or we're innovative but how does that actually translate in what what we're seeing then yeah i think i think again um you're just asking a very hard question not to me but to <laughs> but to, to to leaders listening to this uh, to this podcast and actually i'm going to answer your question with uh, with an exercise that i'm encouraging your audience to do okay uh, so so to the audience not not to you andy but to, to the audience uh, i want you to go back to your company no matter if you are a VP, an employee, or an exec, I want you to go to your company, uh, take seven of your peers, take 12 of your peers, uh, give each and every one of them a post-it note and a Sharpie, and ask them to write on that post-it note in no more than 90 seconds, one minute and a half, uh, the definition of innovation for your company. 90, 90 seconds, what do we mean when we say innovation in our company? And then collect those post-it notes and start group them in clusters. Clusters made up of things that have the same definition of, of, of post-it notes that have the same definition written on them. Um, we do this exercise all the time with executives. Uh, part of the kickoffs that, uh, that we do on, in particular on strategy. Uh, why? Because we want to prove to everyone in the organization that there is a big misalignment between what various people think about innovation. Some people might think it's digital transformation. Some people think flying cars. Some people think 
somewhere in between digital transformation and flying cars. <laughs> well, you can't you can't move as an organization, as a group of people, you can't move in one coherent direction if you don't agree on what that first of all direction is and what is the name of the thing we're we're doing. Um, what this will what this will mean for your organization, it means that uh, you write innovation in your vision statement, right? But then somebody will invest in flying cars and somebody else will invest in digitizing the existing process of, I don't know, onboarding a vendor, sure, whatever. I'm, I'm not saying that they are, that either of them is wrong. I'm just saying that it would make more sense if we combine our forces and we go in one direction. Doesn't matter if it's flying cars or digital transformation. That's another conversation altogether, mm-hmm. right? Do we need flying cars or do we need to to optimize the core business? But that's 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 a totally different uh, conversation. But as I said, I will encourage everyone to do this exercise with the post-it notes. It only takes ninety seconds of writing, three minutes of explaining, and probably another three minutes of clustering the data. Uh, I can tell you from my experience in in groups of twenty something people, you'll get about twelve to seventeen definitions of innovation. Just that few. Wow. <laughs> yeah, just just that few, right? It's almost almost everybody has their own, right? Yeah, exactly. And so I think when you couple that individual interpretation of innovation and then yeah. try and uncover the behaviors or the exactly. culture that's needed to deliver on that <laughs> misalignment of vision, that's where your problem is, right? Exactly. And then and then if you are a leader, you are going to encourage certain behaviors and certain cultures. Um, that obviously are aligned with what you think innovation is. If you are the exec that wrote flying cars on that post-it note, obviously you're not going to write flying cars. You're going to say something that's super out there, whatever definition of innovation you come up with. But let's say that it it um, let, let's use the flying cars as a proxy for that. Sure. If if you if you wrote flying cars on the post-it note, um, you're probably going to to encourage and need different cultural traits than your colleague than the colleague that wrote digitizing the onboarding of new employees or of vendors totally different things and um, again it's very difficult to work together and um, even if you say hey but i'm a large organization i can afford this kind of things that's totally fine. But what will happen if people need to migrate from department A to department B, from flying cars to digitizing, right? Will they fit in culturally there? Or will they be rejected by their peers because, oh, oh yeah, she's coming from flying cars. And uh, look at her. She's wearing sneakers and she's expecting the boss to um, you know, be okay with all her crazy ideas and all that stuff. And here we're just digitizing the existing onboarding process and we want to be a bit more rigorous with respect to what we put in we have uh let's say stricter deadlines so on and so forth again i'm just giving nonsense examples now so don't 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 take them as as literally that's what's going to happen hey listen you had me at flying cars mate i mean i was i was in (laughs) with flying cars but no look i get i i think we get the landscape right and i think this is where the overwhelm right of trying to do culture and trying to do innovation causes businesses problems so that's why you wrote the book right that's that's why you wrote the book to to some extent (laughs) to try and give this framework so so let's dig into that framework let's dig into these principles and 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 you can perhaps 
you know, all these mangled bits of string, let's try and stretch them out, have them in a nice order, and let, let's see where we're going. So in the book, you've laid everything out into the chapters right behind behind the principles. Yeah. So do you want to take yeah. us through that that step by step, Dan? So um the way we the way we looked at innovation accounting, and again, this is this is from our experience. Uh, of applying it in various organizations uh, that were different size and uh, obviously different business lines. Um, what we've seen a lot of people want to do is that they want to bring everything down to one indicator, like give me this one indicator that measures innovation. And that's uh, probably one of the, uh, let's say, biggest mistakes that people make because they want to synthesize everything they want to boil down everything to one single thing. And mm. uh, if you don't do it for the core business, why do it for innovation? That's my, um, that's my question. If you don't do it, if you don't do it in, in your house, if you don't do it for your family, right? Do you, do you know you have a happy family? Well, you don't have one indicator for that, right? You have multiple indicators for that. Uh, why, why do you, um, why do you want to do it for innovation? Sure. So essentially we looked, uh, we looked at innovation on, on layers. Um, that was probably one of the first things. And again, this is this is how the, the entire book is structured. Now, in our entire train of thought is structured on that. It's it's layers. Is uh essentially you start from measuring teams. teams. And we yeah. we looked at we looked at the at the performance of a team, we looked at the performance of uh, of individual teams relative to the maturity of their ideas, so on and so forth. There's indicators there. Uh, but then you aggregate this data from from one team, you aggregate the data from the other team, so on and so forth, and you have your portfolio or, or your funnel view. Like how uh, how is our funnel performing? How is our portfolio in in innovation performing? Not just that one team. Again, using the aggregated data from from the teams, and then there's another layer on top. Is the is the strategic innovation uh, layer where basically we're looking at the entire company? How are we performing as as a company with innovation? So you you throw in uh, you throw in more aggregated data. You throw in um, data that's already collected in the uh, financial accounting system. You mix that up, uh, and you get an idea of uh, is innovation a worthwhile investment for our organization? And then going back all the way to the bottom you start measuring culture and capability. Um, as I just explained, what do we want to ob obtain for innovation? What are the attributes uh, that support that particular goal? Let's measure those attributes. But you need to have everything in sync and you have to have everything uh, mutually supporting. You can't have an indicator that not, that's not connected with anything else because it's going to be very difficult for you to understand if you're having an impact just by measuring one indicator. And if it's not connected with anything else, why bother tracking that or measuring that? If does does this make sense? I would I would ask the the audience first, and and if if it doesn't make sense, by all means, drop me a line. I can <laughs> I can definitely draw it. No, no, no. I think I think I mean you have a very helpful drawing, which I think will stick in the show notes, Dan. Um, that kind of awesome. outlines this stuff, right? But I think I think what my understanding of this, you know, look, and I'm not the I'm not the brightest guy on the planet, but my understanding of, of what you're talking about here is finding finding the range of indicators, performance indicators across these subsets of, I guess, teams, the funnel itself, the financial uh, measures and investment that's required. Yes, the capability and the cultural stuff, and 
and all these different relationships. So you've got a dashboard of what you consider to be key performance indicators, but trying to find the links between them as well. So they're not completely independent. So they, they order it out. But but that could bring up a list of, I don't know, 30, 30 or I more I think so. I haven't, I haven't actually uh, counted the number of indicators we propose in the book. Yeah. Uh, but I think you're very close to, to 30. And again, we're not even proposing anything on culture and capability because we said that's that's very, very specific to, to every organization. So probably if you were to apply this in, in your company, uh, you will have probably 50 indicators to, to look at. Obviously, you need to decide which one is the, is, is the, is the most important for you at any given moment in time, but that's always connected with the vision of the company, with the strategy, where do we want to head? Are so, we interested in like fast innovation? Are we interested in how fast we're, we're, we're churning good ideas? Because that's one indicator. And then obviously that's connected with, with others downstream. Um, and obviously it's connected with culture. But that means we, we put our finger on, this is what's important for us. And I, and I guess this is why guys like you and Chris are helpful because sometimes it's really hard to work that homework yourself and be honest, right? To to some extent, yeah, that's what I think our role is, and uh, we we try we try. And again, this comes from my from my product ownership experience and product coaching experience. Um, I, I try to lead with questions because I'm not an expert in banking. I'm not an expert in the airline business. I'm not an expert in engineering or, or maritime technologies. Uh, however, I'm an expert in principles, uh, in principles of innovation. I know what, what good looks like for, for uh, a company in terms of having a culture of innovation and having robust processes for, for bringing new ideas to market. And I'm just uh, going to ask the hard questions, if you want, to, 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 to the executives, to the teams, to the managers there about all, this, uh, all these things. I'm essentially putting some mirrors in front of them. And uh, they have to look in the mirror and see if they like what they're seeing. And if they don't like, we can work out a, a workout schedule for them. That's nice. I like that analogy of a workout schedule. Uh, I really should have gone for that run this morning, having you said that. But uh, so I, th- <laughs> I think for me, it's possibly easier for some corporates or for some CEOs to to get their head around these sort of KPIs, right? This dashboard of KPIs. The tough thing will be, I guess, holding themselves to account and making sure that they link. I would imagine the tougher thing in some instances is is to do with the cultural stuff, right? Because yeah. that's not necessarily normal place and comfy place for people. So yeah. in terms of your principles, I mean, and you've mentioned that what do you want out of your culture? How do you support, help, question, I, I guess, agitate these people to, to really think about those principles behind defining the culture and making it happen? Yeah, as I said, I always try to to bring it back to who you are as a company and what's what's your purpose. Why do you exist as an organization? And please spare me the 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 the, the nonsense words, the um, <laughs> the 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 puffy things, right? I don't want to hear stuff like, uh, "Oh yeah, for the greater good of society" and stuff, unless you actually believe in that and you have substantiating evidence to prove that you exist for the the bigger purpose. Mm. 
but I, I really want to know why why you exist. And usually you don't exist to build a product, but you usually exist to alleviate the pain as a company, alleviate the pain in in users. And that pain can can be can take I don't know a, a, a million shapes. Um, and I want to understand essentially what's the what what's your what's your purpose? Why why do you exist as as an organization? You exist to alleviate pain X or pain Y, and then let's let's try to understand what's going to uh, encourage people in your organization to help the end customer alleviate that particular pain. That's uh, that's 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 where I would normally or typically start. And is there is there a sort of defined process that you take people through to help them understand that dan or is that more of an internal facing thing that that you pose the question step back um obviously we have uh we have a bit of a a bit of a let's say standard process but that's just probably steps one two and three of a journey that's let's say a thousand miles long uh, because after one, two, and three, you kind of like realize who you are dealing with, uh, what's the ambition of the company, where do they want to move towards, and and all those things. So it is standard to some extent, uh, but I would say it's more it's more customized than than standard. If you if you were to ask me, obviously, if you would have Chris on the show, Chris yeah. would have probably had a different answer to to this. <laughs> And then that's that's the joy of culture. There's always a different kind of way of of getting to this thing, and I think that's the thing that does overwhelm a number of people sometimes. When you when you start to think about changing a culture or tweaking a culture, it feels like 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 the toughest task in the world. And the first question after that is, how long is it going to take? And and I, I mean, it takes time, right, to change culture, to change muscle memory, to change skill base. It's it's not an instant thing, right? It's um, two, two things here. First of all, to change a culture, in my opinion, you need to change the processes that support the culture. Uh, change the processes to support a new culture or change the processes to prevent the old culture from you know, multiplying, repeating itself every day. I, I say that, in my opinion, at least, again, this is my opinion, um, culture follows process. Mm. Um, Look at your processes. It, it's great you define a new culture, the, the new culture you want to have, but look at your processes and change the, the processes first and then do all the cultural activities bit uh, because people will behave in certain ways because they are forced by the governance system of your organization to, 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 to act in, in, a, in a certain way. Um, if you take an employee in your organization and put him in, in Netflix, I'm sure that uh, they will most likely perform pretty well there and they will display a different behavior and different culture than the one in your organization. Why? Because Netflix uses a a different process, a different governance system than your current organization. So start with the processes, in my opinion. And second, you asked a very good question. How long does it take? Yeah, it takes long because first of all, it would be easy. Everybody else, everybody would do it, right? And uh, and second, right? We just uh, we just spoke about workouts just a couple of sentences ago. Um, this is about this is about going to the gym. This is not about taking a uh, weight loss pill, and then all of a sudden you look amazing. This is about putting in the effort, uh, creating the processes, policing 
policing the use of the new processes, right? Because it's very easy to, to hire me, hire anybody else. We come design a process, we show you how it works, and then we leave. And without people to enforce those new processes, to police the use of the new, the new processes, people will just fall back on their old behaviors. And again, falling back on the old behaviors means the old culture is, is still going to, to you know, exist there. So if I'm to sort of, I guess, try and summarize what we're looking at here within this principles, within this, this guidelines, I mean, the ultimate principle is you've got to be yourself and you've got to be true to yourself, right? Within, 100%. Within this. And then we're looking at finding or discovering and aligning those key measures across that, that list of things that you talked about. Exactly. Teams, the funnel, investment, all, all those sorts of things. And then almost a combination of, okay, so what do, you, what do we need the culture to be like? And by that, what does it need to do? And therefore, what are the processes that we're going to need to follow that the culture will help us determine, right? Which will then deliver those objectives. Is that that's, 100%. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Brilliant. And I, I think the give me a pill to lose weight. I mean, if you have one of those, I will take it. But um, anybody would. Yeah. <laughs> but you're so you're so right. And I think this is another one of those things that just puts so many people off trying yeah. to change a culture because it's yeah. where's where's my return tomorrow? Where's my return tomorrow? I mean, I I often say this. I think you can make impact immediately when you change these things, but changing them, truly changing them for the outcome, does take a big investment in time and effort. Yeah, it, uh, it's gonna it's gonna take years. I mean, you're gonna see results uh, very soon, but that's because people are just going to be very enthusiastic and excited about about change, exciting about it, the new the new process, excited about the new thing. But does that stick? That's my question to to everybody. Does that stick? Is, is that something that if I come back to your organization and 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 look inside under under the hood, in let's say eighteen months or twenty four months or even longer? Is that still there? Were you able to embed that culture? Were you able to embed that new governance system? That's uh, that's that's the biggest uh, that's the biggest issue with uh, with most organizations is that they are able to do like a good kickoff. Yeah, the thing is going to stick around for let's say six months because people are still excited. But then if you look back in in twenty four months, the thing is no longer there. Yeah. Well, look, this podcast is called Sticky from the Inside for a reason. Right. This is this is about people change that lasts and and has an impact. And I think you're a hundred percent right, my friend. I think any anybody can do something for short term. You know, there's an argument to say lots of businesses focus far too much on the short term because it's all about impact, 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 impact. But how sustainable is that over the long term? You know, how repeatable is it over the long term? And and often it isn't, right? So that's why we see lots of peaks and troughs. When now uh, when we work with uh, when we work with uh, with leaders on <clears throat> sorry on on strategy and vehicles for innovation, um, I always say that most organizations don't don't have a problem innovating. They have a problem making innovation a repeatable process because ninety nine point nine percent of the organizations that we worked with um, have displayed the ability of launching a moonshot project. Ninety nine point nine percent seriously. Take take any organization. They've done an amazing innovation project. Probably it was the pet project of the of the CEO or whoever. Uh, but still successful in the market, driving revenue. My question for them is: Can you do that again? 
next month and next year or in five years. You know, everybody's talking about moonshot projects. I always ask them, do you have a space program? Yeah. Everybody, everybody's capable of a, of a moonshot project, but are you able to build a space program that is constantly launching new things, constantly scouting for new opportunities and, and not just scouting, but actually capitalizing on those? Yeah, absolutely true. I mean, the, the time on this podcast never ceases to amaze me how quickly it goes, especially when I'm going to sit down and talk about accounting in the title, right? I, I thought this I thought this would be a tough conversation. It's been ridiculously quick, and we've covered loads so far. In order to try and help my audience kind of cement this in their brains, Dan, before, before we have to say goodbye, um, let's use the sticky notes area of this podcast where we look to summarize. To use some of your own medicine, because you play the post-it game with some of your clients, can you summarize the three best bits of advice you could to help people get to grips with this stuff? If you were to do three sticky notes, my friend, what would you have on your sticky notes? Uh, I think the first one would be uh, define what innovation means for your organization. Create a very clear definition of uh, of innovation. So define define innovation. Um, second, connect that definition with um what the purpose of the organization is, what the ambition of the organization is, um, what's the vision purpose. Uh, connect that definition. So if you just created it and it's obviously not connected with the core business, it will never fly. So create the definition and then connect it with the with the core business. Feel free to adjust the, the definition, obviously. And the last post-it note is try to understand what are the traits that support uh, that particular definition and that particular ambition of uh, of your organization. What do you need to have in place for that to happen in your company? Amazing. So simple, yet so deep. Yet so complicated. <laughs> it's so, so complicated. So complicated, Dan. Amazing. I love those three sticky notes. Thank you so much for your time today to talk about this topic. I mean, this could have gone on forever in talking about what we do and how we do it. You've managed to get it down to three sticky notes, which is amazing. Where can people find out more about you and what you do, Dan? Well, um, you can obviously uh, find me on LinkedIn. Um, Dan Toma, just uh, just look up my name. I'm going to pop up there and you're going to see that I've co-authored those two books. Um, Twitter is another channel I'm, uh, I'm using. My handle is dantoe__ma. And um, check out the, the websites of, uh, of the books, the, the corporatestartupbook.com and innovationaccountingbook.com. And for the work that I'm doing with, uh, with Chris that you also had here on the show, um, people can go and check weareoutcome.co. Brilliant. Well, I'll put all those links in the show notes. Just time for me to say thank you so much, Dan. Great to speak to you. And uh, thanks for all your insights. Really appreciate that. Thank you very much, Andy, for having me on the show. No problem, my friend. Okay, that was Dan Toma. And if you'd like to find out a bit more about him and what he does, then please check out the show notes. So that concludes today's episode. I hope you've enjoyed it, found it interesting, and heard something maybe that will help you become a stickier, more successful business from the inside going forward. If you have, please like, comment, and subscribe it really helps. I'm Andy Gorham, and you've been listening to the Sticky from the Inside podcast. Until next time, thanks for listening.